Concerning Him, an Emmaus podcast is a ministry of Emmaus Bible College. Concerning Him seeks to enrich Christians around the globe by educating and equipping them through various media. For more information about Emmaus, please visit Emmaus.edu. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Concerning Him podcast. Today we are joined by Heath Munson. Welcome, Heath. Thanks for having me. I'm I'm really excited to have you on today. Could you start by telling us what you do here at Emmaus? Oh, certainly. So my title is Director of Counseling Services with Emmaus. Uh, this is my fourth academic year. I've been a part of the, the college here. Um, mainly what that consists of is meeting with students um, for counseling, being able to sit mm-hmm. down, talk with them, um, help them process through emotions, relationships, kind of those things we normally think of as talk therapy. Yep. Um, also do some work in kind of consulting and, and training. So I'll, I, I do trainings for the RAs, trying to plan different things that we're doing um, in the future with like, this year we were able to train um, a number of the students on mental health first aid. So mm-hmm. just a way to recognize how people around them are doing. So being able to help coordinate and kind of oversee some of the training and, and care, especially for the emotional and mental well-being of the students. Could you, now you work some outside of Emmaus as well. I do. And what what are yeah. you doing there exactly? Yeah, so I'm part-time with Emmaus. Um, the rest of my time um, work-wise is I also have a private practice. Um, okay. So I have, um, I'm able to meet with people um, here in Dubuque, but I also have an office in Makokita. And okay. so kind of my life is surrounded in um, having conversations with people, which I love. Um, just an opportunity to be in a number of different environments, but it's, um, yeah, sitting down, having conversations and talking with people. And for those not from the Dubuque area, Makokita is what, 25 minutes yeah, south of here? 45 minutes from 45, here. 45, that's farther than I thought, 45 minutes. It's all okay. highway though, so. Oh, that's easy. <laughs> listen to a lot of podcasts, you said, right? I do, yep, <laughs> yep, so I listen to this one occasionally. And, <laughs> Very uh, nice. Very nice. Well, we're really excited to have you on today. Um, I'm excited for the topic we want to talk about, but I, maybe if you could take a couple minutes and talk through kind of how you found yourself uh, living in Makokita, working part-time in Emmaus and your own private practice. You want to talk about your schooling, uh, kind of your experiences that led to where, where you are at this point in life. Yeah, so I'll try to keep it brief because I mean, <laughs> life stories can always be fun to share. But, oh, yeah. Um, so I went to Iowa State for engineering because it's a great engineering school. Yeah. And I tell people that and it's this is not engineering. <laughs> um, so long story short, it's um, realizing in some of the classes that, okay, the math, not my favorite thing, mm. but I love finding creative solutions to complicated problems where other people get stuck. Okay. And so I could do that in engineering and that's what I loved about that idea. But then looking at it and it's like, oh, I really want to do this with people. Mm-hmm. Like I love people. And so then, um, from there, um, changed to psychology. So I graduated with a degree in psychology from Iowa state. Um, but wanted to do counseling. You need a master's degree to mm-hmm. be licensed and for insurance companies to you for that then because um, it's one thing to be able to enjoy doing it. it's another thing to actually make a living in it um, and so I ended up um, attending Dallas Theological Seminary just a number of things kind of fell into place and so um, finished my degree there in 2010 in biblical counseling they since changed it to just counseling um, but it's the same training so basically it's instead of the 45 hours needed to be licensed in the state of Iowa at the time um, it's a 90-hour program oh, so wow. you study all the same counseling and psychology principles you need to be licensed but um, also all the um, bi- Bible and theology um, that the THM students do um, 
So really wanted that that mixing of it because it's um, I had a professor at Iowa State that was very knowledgeable, which fits as even as part of our conversation today, I think we'll go to and brain chemistry and how everything interconnects and works. But some of the conversations felt so fatalistic because mm. it's well, we're a series of chemical reactions. You actually don't have thoughts. You just think you have thoughts, but that's the chemical reactions telling you that. Um, and it's like we need a different part of that conversation because we're physical beings, mm-hmm. we are relational beings, but we're, we're, we're um, spiritual beings too. Mm-hmm. And so being able to, to just have better conversations of how, how do we um, incorporate that. Um, so after that, move back to Iowa, be closer to family, but also because there's a lot of Christian counselors in Texas. Um, <laughs> I mean, there were two, two uh, seminaries with counseling degrees within the DFW area. Okay. So lots of graduates, great, great people, and seeing there's a greater need up here. Yeah. Um, so being able to say, okay, God, what would you have me to do with this? Um, again, series of events, kind of random events, right? You know, um, I'm in air quotes, um, <laughs> that led me to this area where there are some, but it's it's there's not many. Um, I worked in community mental health for the first nine and a half years. Great experience because I got to work with people from the lowest end of the kind of monetary spectrum to kind of the highest end at times and Mm. kind of everything in between. Um, but also a lot of really serious difficulties that people face that you don't run into every day and being able to say, okay, they're always people and they always have value. And so learning how that, that fits in Mm -hmm. through that. So it was a lot of great experience. And then a few years ago decided to make a change and was kind of looking at options and got a call from our Dean of students here that um, said, Hey, do you know anybody who would be interested in providing counseling to our students? It's like, that sounds awesome. (laughs) Um, So then I've been here for the last few years. Did you know some of the guys at Emmaus already before that you got that phone call? Um, I had a kind of acquaintance um, interactions with, um, Juan Arjona okay. um, before that. But other than that, I'd, I'd seen a couple of the names that might've had a conversation once. Um, so is being in the same area, I didn't overlap very much with it. Um, unfortunately, did, did you go to Dallas with any Emmaus grads or current Not faculty that I was aware or any of the time. Okay. No, <laughs> I'm sure there were some there. You said you graduated in 2010, uh, from there in 2010. Yep. Okay. I'm sure there were some graduates there at the time. I don't know. Yeah. So I think Dr. Matthew was ahead of me and I don't remember how many years I okay. had. Um, but, but yeah, it's just one of those where you kind of hear the name, but I don't. Yeah. I, um, I came here and visited the library once um, to <laughs> look at a book, but otherwise. It's a great library. It is a great library. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm I'm very excited to have you on the podcast today because I, I sent you this email, I don't know now, a month and a half ago, two months ago, something like that. There's a study that came out this summer. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw it start to be mentioned on Twitter. Uh, I saw, saw it kind of in a few different places in social media, Christians were talking about the study came out of London College um, about serotonin levels uh, and its connection to depression, right? Mm-hmm. Now, I, I was telling you before we recorded, a lot of the people that we have on the podcast, we come on, I'm asking them about a topic, and I already have thoughts and opinions, and I want to hear their thoughts and opinions, but I'm also, you know, all of my questions are coming kind of with maybe with some bias and things like that. On this, I don't, <laughs> I'm clueless. So I'm really excited to have you on to learn from you about this study. And I and I know you, you I, I know you probably want to maybe, maybe make it clear at some point that you're not necessarily an expert in this specific field, but it does relate to the aspect of chemicals and and science and how we understand the human body and the human mind. Um, 
and and to me it it brings up all these questions right of uh you often hear people say well and again i'm i'm not trained so if i say something wrong just correct me please (laughs) but you often hear people talk about just in in layman terms right talking to one another right about you know some people are they're struggling with depression because of incidents or events um in their lives other people we might talk about it uh in connection to sin and then other people you say will describe like the chemical imbalance right Mm -hmm. you often hear that and this study seems to maybe bring some question to that and then i saw all over online christians discussing what does this mean i thought my depression or my anxiety was related to a, a chemical imbalance so how am i supposed to react now if i'm on some sort of prescription should i continue taking that prescription and i know that you're not here to give official advice on those things but these are all the types of questions that this study i think maybe just brought it to light a little bit over the summer these are questions christians are thinking about a lot i mean there's we know there's all sorts of um all sorts of discussions within christianity on should christians right take uh medicine for things like anxiety and depression um and so it maybe unearthed some of those conversations and brought them to light. But I, I saw a lot of people personally, saw a lot of people, especially online, but talked to a few in person where this was bringing up some questions. So this is what I want to talk to you. I'm, I'm kind of going on for a long time, but I do want to hear your thoughts of this. Um, so maybe want to get started and, and, and just say like, what was your, did you see this study when it came out? I did. Okay. You know, and so I read through that in a couple of, yeah. um, descriptions because my background my training is not psychopharmacology or yeah. organic chemistry i mean i hedged away from that with engineering <laughs> yeah. so um <clears throat> so as we talk here that I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm not a foremost expert on those things mm-hmm. um and even so in reading through the article which it's i, I really appreciate it. it's available for free mm-hmm. online so a lot of them are behind like paywalls yeah. um, but this one has kind of stayed out so that people can access it um if, if you want to read through it, you can, and there's some of it, you might get lost in the, oh, I don't know this, this term or this. I definitely got lost. Trans, you're a transmitter. <laughs> but there's parts of it that if you jump down further to more of the discussion where it's like, okay, this is what it actually means. This is what we're seeing to it. And, and kind of the, the, the gist of it and is that we've had this theory that came from, um, with, with a lot of, with a lot of psychological psychiatric medications. We, we kind of came upon them accidentally. Mm. So they have a medication to treat one thing and they find, oh, this other person has this mm-hmm. and that really helps. Um, you know, an example of this is um, finding, um, so if people are familiar with ECT or electroconvulsive therapy, which can sound like the scary kind of therapy, <laughs> but what they would do, which I don't do that, it's prescribed by medical providers. Um, what they found is that individuals with very significant, severe, debilitating depression that then for one reason or another developed seizures, they would have some severe seizures. Their depression would be less afterwards. Hmm. So they're like, I don't know what to do with this. And so then they, they found a way to basically induce a controlled and a safe seizure in individuals that then is, has been proven, has been shown to, wow, significantly improve it for people. Hmm. Um, and so... That was accidentally yeah. found, yeah. but we can say, wow, we don't understand all the mechanics of this, 
we can utilize this to really heal, help people who are suffering, who are unable to go about day-to-day life um, because of this difficulty we don't fully understand. And so things like the, the, the SSRIs, the selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, the, these medications initially were found because there were aspects of them in other meds that they were testing. Like, oh, hey, this helps over here. Mm. And so then they start to develop them. So like Prozac came because, like, hey, we think this is what's working. We're going to target this a little bit more. And so then the studies have been, um, and medications, it's been this, this theory for, the, for years of it's serotonin that we need more of it. We need more of it in the right places. It needs to stay in the brain longer so we get to actually kind of absorb it. You know, think of it if you, if, um, you, you need the food in your body for it to do things. Mm-hmm. And so if we can make sure that we're getting it there and giving it more time to absorb, then it will help you more. Um, but what the study did was it did this um, analysis of many, many studies that have looked at what is it actually doing um, and able to, what they're suggesting, what they're saying is, hey, there's not great evidence that it's actually serotonin that is the key element in it. Mm. Um, and so as we look at that, and I think that that's where there's there's big conversations and there's big questions that one of the one of the takeaways that I've that that I see in it and that I've heard some other people talk in it is that just because we don't understand what it was doing doesn't mean those medications haven't been helpful mm-hmm. and doesn't mean that they weren't helpful. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's not that it was um, doing a lot of damage because oh well, we, if it's not doing if it's not serotonin, then this was just a waste of time and nobody was helped because I've spoken to a number of people who were really helped by medications where instead of it. Um, they're able to go about day-to-day life without the interference that they've had before hmm. because of it. And so um, if I can go on a tangent for a Please. second as we look at that, um, as you said, like, yeah, just keep keep going on yeah. some of these. So as I was thinking about even this conversation um, that maybe some of your listeners are familiar with, but I'm, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Ignaz Semmelweis. Does that name ring a bell? No. That's a, that's a mouthful, <laughs> yeah. right? But long story short, he was a um, Hungarian physician who was um, working in Vienna who found this discrepancy between um, – um, women after childbirth, kind of that mortality rate and seeing that, okay, women in, on, tr- served by these individuals had a higher mortality rate. They died more often than, than over here and started doing some study and looking at it and saying, oh, hey, let's start washing our hands. <laughs> Which back in the day was, I mean, us, it's like, well, yeah, you wash your hands. Yeah. I want my doctor to wash the hands before they do anything. They do it three times in the room. Yeah. Um, but back then it was a really unusual thing. Well, when he was was studying this and saying, hey, I want you to try dipping your hands in this solution. This, I don't remember, it was like a chlorinated lime solution. But he came upon that because they would use that. They would douse like infected tissue that they would be autopsying because it would stop it from smelling as much. Oh. So it's like, oh, if it works there, let's just go ahead and dip your hands in that, and then we can um, see if it, if it makes yeah. any difference. And within, what it, within the first year, it dropped by 90%. Wow. Now, he didn't know why. Like, they didn't, he didn't have this germ theory. He thought, I mean, he had a name that he called it, but this um, cadaverated tissue, and I won't get into all the details of kind of what the, the beliefs were, but I think it's a good example of he found a solution to something that he didn't fully understand based on the observations he was making over time that significantly helped. Mm. So then if you go from 18% of women in that hospital dying to 1.2% within like six months, Wow. 
that's a lot of women. That's a lot of lives. That's yeah. a lot of children who get to grow up with their mothers. So it's yeah. like, okay, I don't get it, but let's keep doing this. Cause it's working. Cause it's working. Yeah. Now there's evaluation of our, you know, if their hands are becoming damaged from using the solution, okay, let's find something that can work. And that's where like the medications that we use, it's gone through an FDA testing and approval process. So the benefits outweigh the side effects. Mm-hmm. This study can say, okay, what we thought it was maybe isn't entirely what um, is why this is helping, but maybe there's still something here. And so I think that that as Christians, like just an initial answer in it is as far as the medications go, this can say, well, maybe it's not serotonin. Okay. And that doesn't mean that the medication isn't helping. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that the benefits may not for many individuals outweigh the, um, the cost to it. Um, so we don't have to necessarily avoid it. And we can keep asking questions because, you know, there's soaps that are probably a lot easier to get a hold of and easier to use than um, chlorinated lime solutions. <laughs> yeah. And great. So we've learned, we found a better way to do it. Yeah. Fascinating. Fascinating. So when we're thinking about this as Christians, yeah. right, you know, part of what, you know, in a way, what you're describing, talking about chlorinated lime solutions that help clean a doctor's hands and we learn how to make better soaps. But you, you would talk, you know, in one way you could just call that the providence of God, right? Mm-hmm. And, and God providing a way uh, to save these lives. And that that is a good thing. So we're thankful for that. Yeah. You know, in a way, could we also call the discovery of some of these medicines the providence of God in helping people even if we didn't under understand completely what it's doing. Right. Um, but as we're thinking about this, I want to ask how, how as Christians are we thinking about, or should we be thinking about the human mind? And as we, as we interact or as we have anxiety or as we have depression, um, how should we, <laughs> how, how do we diagnose, ourselves and say what is to blame here right is this is this a sin issue is this you know something's terrible happened in my life so of course i'm sad right um or is this something that would be helped by medication obviously it can be helpful to go to an expert Mm -hmm. and and have a conversation with somebody um but i think there's a there's a huge area of confusion for christians in working through this because we know that the body is not just a bunch of chemicals. Right. Right. And so how do we, how do we start to think about that? Yeah. And I think that's a, that's a good question (laughs) and one that that people wrestle with a lot. And I I think that a a good place to start, I mean, as we, in, in that context is being careful not to attempt to separate ourselves into don't honeycomb ourselves, you know, where where I am my mind, I am my body, or I am my soul. Like, but seeing, you know, Jesus said that we need to love the Lord, your God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Okay. So there's different components that make up the whole of us. And so when we look at mental health, um, struggles, I appreciate that you use that language before, because a lot of people, you know, that there's depressed people. Well, there there are people struggling with depression, but that Mm. doesn't, that's not what they are. And um, so I really appreciate your, your, your language in that. Um, because if we just say it's just chemicals, well, then you're just looking at the physical or that becomes the priority. Okay. Or if it's just a sin issue, well, it's just the spiritual. Mm-hmm. Um, or it's just circumstances. And mm-hmm. so it's just kind of the, 
or the physical or the yeah the the places we're living the mind yep. the thoughts that we're having we're not thinking right and so i think a healthier way is, is as jesus talked about us that we're we're actually whole beings that have all of those because um you know i like i love talking about how we experience emotions and how we think about them and, and so recognizing that yeah what my body is going through impacts my mind and is are both impacted by my spirit and how i'm doing so if i I'm not a coffee drinker, but say I drink three cups of tea in the morning. Yeah. Tastes good. <laughs> I'm going to be feeling jittery. My heart's going to be racing. My breathing rate's going to go up. Uh, my mind's going to be, ra- I'm going to be feeling um, just on edge. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the same physical sensations as anxiety. Mm. And so part of what can be helpful is just starting to learn to ask ourselves some questions. And I, I love talking people through it that, um, so like anxiety always tells us about danger or fear tells us about danger. And so if I'm feeling that, I can ask, okay, where's the danger? And if mm. I'm honest with myself and it's, oh, there's not really a danger now. Okay, what else is going on right now? I didn't sleep much last night and, oh, right, I did have three cups of coffee this morning. <laughs> so, um, okay, so maybe there's something physical going on that's impacting it. Um, or even as we're talking now, like I was a little nervous coming in. I've not mm. done a podcast before, um, but I feel a little cold. Mm. Well, I know for me, when I feel a little cold, that makes me feel more anxious because mm. I feel a little bit shaky. Okay. But it's not anxious. Interesting. It's it's maybe, you know, if you're rating it from 10, I might actually be like a three or four and anxious, but the cold adds another one or two, so it yeah. feels like a five. <laughs> um, and that's okay. But if we can recognize like, okay, my body does play into how I'm experiencing things emotionally. Mm-hmm. But then if we look at um, kind of that spiritual component that sometimes, yeah, we feel really bad. You know, I'm feeling... You know, we can use the word depressed. Mm-hmm. We can just say sad mm-hmm. um, because maybe I have sinned against somebody, you know, that there's brokenness in a relationship that I'm responsible for. That, that's a good reaction. And so then taking steps to repair that relationship to find, okay, what, what has God called me to to address that can be really good things. Mm-hmm. And so there's not kind of an easy answer, but I think that um, being honest with ourselves of looking at, okay, how, what am I experiencing physically, relationally, um, and spiritually, my connecting with God, like kind of how has that been recently? Um, but then talking to trusted people around me and really saying, hey, I'm kind of feeling just on edge lately, mm. you know, in this circumstance, what do you see that I'm doing here? Like, is there something that, like, what would be your observations in it? And if we really have that, you know, wounds from a friend can be trusted. So any, even if it's things I don't want to be here, mm-hmm. or that I don't want to hear, it can be loving and mm-hmm. we can really grow in that. And so I think it's, it's not separating it out into these different components and not seeing mental illness as just something that, that really broken people have. Mm-hmm. Because honestly, from a biblical perspective, we all know that we're broken. Yeah. And so if we start from that perspective that, yeah, I am um, by nature an object of wrath because of my choices and because of living in a broken world and the sin that has come before, then we can have more compassion to say, okay, I'm mm-hmm. not getting this perfect what would God want in this mm. circumstance and what power do I have to maybe pursue that direction? I'm, I'm curious. Um, somebody that's, that's dealing with or, or struggling through mental health issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe they've met with a counselor or um, a psychiatrist, maybe they've met with, or just a doctor, family doctor, somebody like that. And, and it's been, maybe not prescribed yet, but suggest, suggested to uh, start a medication. And I think 
there's some Christians that would say, hey, the doc said to do it. It's going to help. I'm going to do it. There's, I think there's a lot of Christians, though, that would say, yeah, but, you know, I'm, I'm misreading the Bible three days in a row. So maybe, you know, I haven't been praying very much. Do I need to just get my spiritual self right first? You know, and can I fix it? Can I can I pray it away? Right. Can I can I read the Bible more? Can I serve the Lord better? Will that fix it? Um, and it, would it be a sin then for me to take this medication and and, and take the, the easy way out? Right. These are things I think a lot of people think about. What would you be, what would be your advice to somebody in these types of situations? And I'm not saying you you would say do take it or don't take it but how how could somebody approach that type of situation if that makes sense that does make sense i, I appreciate that and it um it's a question that comes up pretty yeah. often and so my response generally is um it's kind of like talking to a friend that's going to physical therapy you know they had knee surgery and now they've got to go see the physical therapist um and i don't know if you've you know for the people listening if you've been in physical therapy i haven't had to experience that personally, but my understanding is it's really painful. Mm. Like, Hey, how far can you move your arm? Oh, I can go to here. Okay. I want you to move it three centimeters further. <laughs> what? Like that's painful. Yeah. And so in some of the cases, what they'll say is, Hey, I want you to take an ibuprofen before you come in because the range of motion, you need to move it in those ways. And the medication is going to help you do that better. Mm. Now the pain is a signal telling you, Hey, there's something wrong in your body. So don't keep yeah. doing this. But sometimes that pain signal is inhibiting us from doing the things that are actually going to help us mm. be healthier. And so you take the ibuprofen, you know, you take this thing, not because it's going to be permanent, but because it helps you take the good steps that you need to take. Okay. And so I think sometimes with, with psychiatric medication, it's the same way where it's not a permanent thing, but we're, we can be so debilitated. Mm. We can be so, um, just stuck because of where our bodies and minds and everything is in that moment, which can happen very quickly depending on you know, specifically difficult circumstances that if somebody is suggesting, Hey, this might be helpful. It's not, Oh, you're not working hard enough or, Oh, you're just too messed up and you're never going to get this right. Mm. It's, Hey, this might help you take that next step. Mm. And after you take several steps, you can, every day decide if you're going to take it again, if it's continuing to be helpful and that it's, you know, cause there's side effects with many medications. Mm -hmm. And if the side effects aren't, um, more disruptive than the difficulty. Yeah. But I think as Christians, we can say, oh yeah, I'll take this for, um, yeah, this headache. Cause I know it's just, I didn't get enough sleep last night. Well, it's not a sin issue, mm. but it's not just, we'll just get more sleep. Okay. Well I can't now. And I mm. really want to be engaged with my family. I want to be engaged with my job and the things that God has set before me. And so taking, something for medication, you know, again, I'm not giving medication advice so, yeah. um, as what people should or shouldn't take, but it's using that in consideration of God has given us these things too. Yeah. Um, and, and so it's not outside of God's will for us to necessarily use the resources we have because we can say, well, God's given me a body. I should be able to walk to mm. work every day instead of driving the 45 minutes. Yeah. Like, man, I'll be walking <laughs> for half the day. Yeah. Um, and so do we, wh why do we draw lines when it comes to, to emotional things where I'm not allowed to have something that will help mm. even temporarily. Mm -hmm. And I think if we, on one other side of it is sometimes people too, I don't understand fully how things work. Um, as we're talking about the serotonin, I don't know how it, that will play out and what impact serotonin is, is doing. I liked one article that I read that they use the, um, analogy of, um, fire trucks and fires. 
Okay. Like, oftentimes you see fire trucks at fires, but the fire doesn't isn't or the fire truck isn't causing mm, the fire. Yeah. So serotonin may play a role, which is where these medications can be helpful. <clears throat> we just don't get it yet. Okay. So there may still be physical underlying reasons that we just haven't identified because we can't actually watch the neurotransmitters operating. Yeah. Um, there are individuals where because of the brokenness we live in this world that things just don't work mentally right. And there are certain medications that they may need to be on for the rest of their life. Mm. You know, it's like people who take insulin for diabetes, um, you know, type one diabetes yeah. um, in particular, that it's not that they're not working hard or they're not watching their diet. It's they physically are incapable of operating the way that would be ideal. Mm -hmm. um, and that's just part of the brokenness of sin. Mm. And, and so if we look at, at mental health, if we look at um, emotional management in the same way, that not doing something that's an, just an easy fix. No, I don't have to fix my relationships. I don't have to have the hard conversations. I don't have to confess to anybody because I can just feel good doing mm -hmm. this. I mean, that's not really any different than um, just avoidance. Yeah. Um, but if we are pressing in and saying, okay, here's some things I can do, and here's ways that, that God has given for me to more easily at times make those choices. Um, it, it acknowledges the, the difficulty of life while also acknowledging that, hey, there, there's some resources God has put around me. That makes sense. As we start wrapping up here a little bit, I, I'm curious uh, if, there's, if there's people listening, and I, I'd love to hear your advice, right? If there's somebody listening, or maybe I'll, maybe I'll say it this way, you spend a lot of your day in one-on-one -on -one Mm -hmm. conversations helping people um and maybe wondering if we could take this opportunity to give some broad advice to people out there uh there might be a lot of people listening who feel stuck right mental health issues are feels like it's they're plaguing them but maybe they haven't taken any steps yet or they're trying to figure out what steps to take um again we're not we're not talking about one individual person. We're talking more broadly. So there's not just like, hey, you need to go do this thing. But what would be some general advice you have to people that that are struggling and, and they feel stuck um, as far as like next practical steps? Yeah. I think my first encouragement for people is um, you're feeling stuck. Things are really hurting. Have compassion on yourself. Mm. Because it's easy to say, well, I, I need to do this next thing or this things are going to get worse and worse and worse. And we notice even as I say that things speed up. And if you're listening, it, we can feel that tension. Yeah. But if we step back, and especially for those of you who, who, who know Jesus, being able to say, right, Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. So why are we putting these extra burdens? So just have compassion and say, okay, I'm struggling. This is hard today. Take a breath. Okay. It's not because we're not trying hard. I mean, there's always things that we can do more of, but instead of getting down on ourselves, just ask this question quite a bit of people like, hey, how many times have you ever intentionally made a terrible decision just because you know it'd go badly? And they're like, well, that's, no, I don't yeah. do that. That would be silly. Like, okay. And so we make the best decisions we can with the information we have at the time. And so you can say, well, I keep doing this thing. Okay. And it keeps causing problems. Start with compassion instead of coming down on yourself and saying, I've got to fix this. Mm. So start with compassion. Um, where you can, you know, start with, with asking questions and connecting with people. Um, and so if you have a church, if you have a, a close friend or a family member, just 
even just taking that moment of very vulnerability with someone that maybe has shown themselves so far to be safe and trustworthy and say, Hey, I haven't really talked about this much, but I, I'm, I'm struggling here mm. because that secrets only have power as long as they're secrets. And if, if we feel like we're holding that all ourselves, it can feel like a lot. Um, and a lot of times it can feel like a thousand pound weight, but sharing it with someone else feels like it takes that off but for the other person. It might add like, depending on the person, 10, 20, 30 pounds, because it's not their burden. Mm. And so they're bearing something. So that's part of my job is I bear the burden, but it's not nearly as heavy when people are like, oh, I'm sorry to put this on you. It's like, no, like mm-hmm. it's so relieving for you. And it's actually a lightweight for me um, comparatively because yeah. it's not, my, not because it's a small thing, but because it's not my weight. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, start with compassion for yourself, um, connecting with another person. And then honestly, if you're, if you feel like, you know, I've been trying some different things and I don't really know where to go talk to a professional. Now that might be a pastor. You know, there's a lot of pastors that are really great counselors. Um, you could also talk to someone like me. If someone comes in, it's like, Hey, I don't know if this is for me. Um, you know, so whether it's the the students here at the college or in my private practice, like, I don't know, like, I'm just trying to figure out, is, is this the right place to be? I'll have that conversation. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to say, Oh, well, you have to come back every week for the next six months. If it's like, no, honestly, like here's some of the things I'm seeing. It sounds like you're doing some really good things. I hear maybe a little where you're getting stuck. What if you tried this or this? And like, oh yeah, that could be a good step. Like, okay, go ahead and do that. If you want to give me a call back, then we can schedule another time. Mm. Um, but not feeling like it has to be, okay, I'm committing myself to this for the long term. Um, that you go in and you have a conversation. Um, some people I see two or three times, some people I see two or three years or more. And mm. it's not bad either way, just like people who go to the doctor. Um, for medical issues. And so I think that just yeah, that compassion is a big part of it and knowing that um, you do matter. And so how can you take care of yourself and how can you even look to other people as part of, especially in the church, to be able to say, we are here with our giftings, with our strengths to support one another and have that be okay. Is that? That's, that's incredibly helpful. Thank you very much. Thank you. And, and and thank you so much for coming on today. I yeah, really, thanks for having me. really appreciate it. And I'm sure there's about a million more things we could talk about. So we'll probably have you on again soon. Okay. Sounds great. <laughs> thanks, Heath. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Concerning Him, an Emmaus podcast. Ministries like Concerning Him are possible because of the generous contributions from our partners around the world. For more information about partnering with us, please visit emmaus.edu slash partner.